us, a sick podcast host and an ear. That is what you get today on Bantering the Blue Shirts. Uh, I have been told that my voice right now sounds like uh, a sick person, and they would be correct. So I apologize for whatever this is. I am joined, however, by my co-hosts, Michael Murphy and Beth Macklin. Mike, Beth, how are you guys today? Concerned about your health. Yes, deeply. No, that's good. And uh, and wondering what the, the the line of succession is if you die. Ooh, good uh, question. That's a really good question. Mike would have to take over. He's that's, been with the blog longer. Yeah. I, I would pass control to Stanley probably. Uh, Stanley would be devastated at my loss. I, I would think. I would hope. Um. Anywho, this is Banter in the Blue Shirts. This podcast is sponsored by Patreon, and more specifically, our subscribers at Patreon, who are giving us money to do just this. You should do that. If you don't, there's some cool uh, levels that you can donate to and get stuff. We're starting to pick up a little bit of steam, and we would like to give a big thank you to Anthony Viola, Dan Lynch, Matt Bader, Eric Cohn. All right, I prepared for this because we botched Daniel's name so terribly last week. You Daniel Deshen. Well, yeah, it's true. I box. I'm the only one who said it, but that's it. Daniel Deshim, Michael Silvers, Trevor Kempner, Thomas Osa, Alexander Thornton, Nicholas Forlenza, Dan Carozzi, Taylor Ryder, John J. Porter, R. Amriel Kistner, and then Zachary Zetlin. Thank all of you for donating. We appreciate it very much. At I like some the name point, John J. Porter a lot. Yeah, John J. Porter is a, it's a classy name. That's a, that sounds like a name of like a famous cowboy. Right. Triple J right there. Well, you guys are making this show go around, and we appreciate it. And I would like to thank you for that. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, I don't know, maybe we talked about this. I don't think we talked about this on the last podcast, but um, we did a donation on Blue Shirt Banter for hockey tickets for the Rangers game against uh, Toronto, and we raised $956 for ice hockey in Harlem. So... A big thank you to Rick Nashtag. You can follow him at twitter.com slash Rick, N-A-S-H-T-A-G, for donating the tickets. Uh, hoping to do a little bit more of that as we go, but we got the opportunity to help out a, uh, a really important hockey hub in the tri-state area, and it felt good. It felt good to help. It felt good to do something positive on this season that has been nothing but pain and misery in the, <laughs> some aspects. All right, we're Sound going to go to our... Show. Our residential hockey expert, who happened to be at the hockey game last night, Beth Macklin. Beth, why don't you just give us your thoughts on whatever that 60 minutes was? It was, well, as I was saying before, it was a very long game. It was the longest second period that has ever happened in the history of the world, to the point where you started thinking that you were in some sort of hockey hell. The period would never end, and the other team would just keep storing, and your team would just keep losing, and nobody would pull the goalie. Oh God, it was it was it was pretty awful. Um, the mood was pretty grim, and you know we'll, we'll talk about the reasons for why. But yeah, I mean I'm not a season ticket holder or anything, so I can't. I'm sure there's definitely people listening who have uh, been to far more games than I have, um, and I've heard booing before. I've never heard it as loud as it was last night, and I've never heard it. Uh, already at the end of the first period. So um, crowd turned early last night, and 
you know, and I haven't even gotten to what was really going on on the ice yet, whatever the hell that was. So, yeah, um, if I could delete that game from my personal memory bank, uh, I, I think I would do so because there's, there's really nothing. Ca- well, you know what? Mika Zibanejad and Bushnevich. Yeah. Bushnevich if we yeah. could just, I'll just remember those parts. Step on too. Positives. Yeah, step on that is big boy pants on. Pants worn by big boys. I'm on a lot of medicine right now, by the way, so this may not be the best mix, but um Michael and I <laughs> attended the game on Friday, which was not all that much better. Um <laughs> I do distinctly remember right before the power play with like four minutes left, or rather the penalty kill telling Mike that if Toronto scored, I was going to leave to make the earlier train, and that's exactly what happened. So uh, that wasn't exactly a good game either. But I think we're starting to see, as the Rangers get healthy, and they were about as healthy as they've been in a long time last night. Granted, Buchnevich is only back for a few games. That was the Banajad's first game back. Nash still looks a little bit rusty as he returns. We've kind of seen this consistent web of bad defense, bad goaltending, either not enough offense when the Rangers need it or almost too much offense when they don't. And you get to the point where this is a team that I think is kind of showing their true colors maybe a little, or are they? Um, I think a lot of people expected there to be this sort of aha moment when Zabanejad and Buchnevich and Rick Nash came back and everybody was healthy that would turn into this, oh, the defense is terrible, but that's okay because the Rangers are going to be healthy again. And much like last year, I think teams just kind of found out the easiest ways to shut the Rangers down. And I think the defense has gotten a little bit worse as we've gone on from the beginning of the year to now. And Lundqvist has obviously regressed to where he is right now. And that's going to be a big talking point of this podcast. But is there anything either of you are seeing, and Mike, I'll let you jump into this one first, that would lead you to believe that this team has any opportunity to really do much of anything in the playoffs at this point, especially in a red hot metropolitan division. Oh, that is that the extent of your answer? Well, I mean, I suppose as a podcast, I'll elaborate a little bit. Uh, I think the, the big concern here and, you know, it was interesting to see people get, um, really riled up on uh, on Twitter last night with, um, you know, hoping that the narrative that came away from the game wasn't, you know, oh, the Rangers almost came back. Because that, was, that wasn't the story of the game, even during the Rangers, you know, furious attempt to, to get back on the game in the third period when, for whatever reason, they decided to show up after they'd already kind of broken, broken Henrik Lundqvist and turned him into like a, a mushy Swedish paste of a man. Um, they emulsified <laughs> him. Uh, and the thing that's so frustrating is how I, I really did dislike when a fan base so like breaks down in, into two camps. Um, you know, there's this Henrik's a bum. He costs too much money, and he's a mess camp. And there's the other camp that's like, well, he's obviously not playing well, but here's a bunch of logical reasons why, and now we're just going to not like each other. And that game was, um, 
was like the Battle of Antietam in that Civil War. It was a very, very, you know, like people freaking out about Hank, and then you look at the defense, and I mean, I've seen, I've seen the Rangers' defense do some pretty exceptionally terrible things, like crimes against humanity. There's crimes against goaltenders, and uh, I've seen plenty of that stuff from the Rangers' D. But good lord, did they not try? Um, and I don't know. That was my my feeling coming away from all this, which I guess I'll finally now actually answer your question, Joe. Is this team that so many times in the past has been carried by Lundqvist and kind of, you know, all the all the shortcomings of, oh, the Rangers can't score a power play goal when it matters or at all, and you know, oh, they have a fourth line that isn't, you know, doesn't have hockey like NHL caliber players on it, but. Henrik Lundqvist, you know, will erase a bunch of goals and always give his team a chance to win. Right now, that's not who Henrik Lundqvist is. And so you have to ask yourself, all right, well, what can the Rangers do? And they have, by, all, by every measure, a great offense, and it's great an offense by committee. It's not one or two guys that's doing it. It's not, you know, one or two guys that has, you know, 20 goals or something, and then the rest of the team, you know, there's no scoring from the third line or second line. It's everyone's chipping in, and that's a that's a great strength of the team. The problem is the defense, which we've been saying since training camp, um, is a huge, huge problem, and it becomes more and more apparent with each game. And, you know, in that furious comeback, it's not like it wasn't because the defense figured it out. It's because the offense, all the four just owned the puck. You know, the like Dan Girardi and... Kevin Klein, even Adam Clendenning, I thought he had a really rough game. Um, you know, lots of it, there's so many guys who just didn't show up. I thought uh, of all the D, I thought Brady Shea actually looked good, looked good jumping into the offense. Um, but uh, when you have a D that's like, man, we'll give up that many rushes, give up that many chances to leave guys alone in front of the net. Um, Lundqvist allowed six even strength goals uh, before he was finally pulled. And I think you said on Twitter, Joe, that uh, you'd really only, you know, kind of hang one or two of those on him. Um, it's a crazy thing to think about, allowing six even straight goals in a game. Um, even on a really, really bad day for Lundqvist, he's still an okay goaltender. He's still an NHL-caliber goaltender. So what does that tell us? about what the defense did to him. And when we saw Stepan's quotes and, you know, AV's quotes, especially Steph, which is, you know, just saying, you know, it was embarrassing and all that stuff. If any team in the Metropolitan that the Rangers would meet with this kind of defense, they'd get cut to ribbons. You know, even if it's if things go wacky and it's the Flyers, like the Flyers' offense would cut this to ribbons. The Blue Jackets, we've already seen what the Rangers look like against the Blue Jackets, especially the power play. You know, the Penguins, the Capitals, it's just it's all that's a death sentence. So I'm going to stop talking now. Let that say something. Oh, is that to me? I'm sorry. Yeah, um, no, he was talking to the other <laughs> I couldn't tell if something else was being said up there. Okay. Um, yeah, it's the funny thing was I, I um, you did not – if you stayed to the end, and I did, um, you, you did things. not walk, the crowd did not walk out 
last night from a game that they thought their team had any chance of tying up, much less winning, even though you could argue mm-hmm. that they did. Um, that was not the spirit there, was a game that you know could have gone either way at all. It was as if, well, again, there wouldn't have been that many people left there if we'd been beaten 7 nothing. Um, but that was much more the mood coming out. There was no excitement um, or residual excitement or um, I did not feel that the team got the crowd back on their side with that third period mm. effort. Yeah, they nearly won the game, but they did not convince anyone who watched that that they deserved to by any stretch. Too little, too late kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah, and it was, you know, the bad had been so bad um, <laughs> that it just didn't even, you know, it was great to sing the goal song a few times, but it just didn't seem like it mattered in a weird way. And people were very either morose or bitter pretty much walking out. Um, as if they didn't really know what they'd seen because I, you know, I feel like everyone did think that that was some sort of landmark for Lundqvist. Something was going to happen now um, or some kind of corner had been turned regardless of what the reasons for it were, um, mm. that something was revealed. And I'm probably putting too way too many thoughts in too many uh, drunk people's heads Um but, you know, you, you walk through there. If you've been to a game, how, what percentage would you say of the fans are wearing Lundqvist sweaters? Uh, like very fair <laughs> portion. Yeah, I mean, more than anybody else. Definitely. Yeah, yeah he's, uh, without a doubt, more than anyone else. And, you know, it was like weird sort of to see everyone wearing his name but being <laughs> so angry, um, it was uh, sports spectacle wise. It was it was really strange. Um, well, watching on TV, not to interrupt you, but you're. I don't want you to move on from the point that you made. It's so. I threw a hissy fit a couple of years ago when Rick Nash was booed in the Garden during the playoffs because I think it's just it's one of the dumbest things that you can do. And Lundqvist was jeered pretty good last night multiple times. Helberg came in in the third period. He made a save, and the place went nuts almost sarcastically. And yeah, I kind of exactly. talked about I'm this uh, typing a little that right bit now. last night. But so Helberg comes into the game, and he had literally seven, not even seven shots against. Dallas attempted seven shots the final 20 minutes of the game when he was in. And of those shots, he made two very good saves. He made the glove save, and he made the left-to-right save. He made four saves total. That is miles different than the 27 saves that Lundqvist had to make. And of the seven goals that he gave up, I think two, I'm putting one on him directly. And I think it was either the fourth or the fifth goal where Lundqvist went the wrong way and there was a wide open net for the wraparound. The yeah, other one that's I'm sure wraparound, yeah. Was the 2-1-1 on one goal where it was basically a breakaway and just glove side high. I think it was the sixth goal. Those are the only two that I could possibly lay at his feet. Everything else, the defense was quite literally non-existent, and no one is absolved from that. I'm, I'm talking McDonough. I'm talking Shea, Klein, Girardi, anybody, anybody that was on the ice last night. 
did not play a good game in, in terms of the defense. And Lundquist, I think we are reaching a turning point with him because he's frustrated. He's very frustrated. You could, he's making comments to the media that I've never seen before. And talking about how those all aren't his goals and, you know, how frustrated he is, these are not things we're used to seeing. Lundquist usually lays the blame at his feet in totality. And that's not happening right now. And I don't think it should be happening. And to be honest with you, I don't think it should have been happening for as long as it was. But if you're one of those people that really thinks that, okay, you know what, our goaltender who has given his heart and soul to this team for the past 10 years and is literally the only reason this team is any relevant, I'm going to lay into him because this team's not playing well, that frustrates me. Listen, I am the very first person to tell you that I don't give two shits what Dan Girardi did in his past. It's the future that matters, right? So Lundqvist needs to be held by those standards as well. It should not matter what he's done in the past in terms of playing time and role and whatever. I think the difference is where Girardi, you kind of know what you have in that he's not going to bounce back. This is two and a half years of utter failure. With Lundqvist, I think I'd rather bet on the fact that, yes, he's struggling, but it's being compounded by a bad defense than immediately assuming that he's washed up. I mean, you don't see these types of numbers, these types of stats on Lundqvist ever, ever. This is the first year we've ever seen anything in this territory. So are you really going to sit there and assume, okay, he's totally washed up, or is it a little bit of both? And if it is a little bit of both, and I believe it is a little bit of both, look, let's call a spade a spade. Lundqvist is struggling, but this defense is not doing him any favors, and they're making it way worse. And I don't care what level of Lundqvist was in the net last night. Even if it's super elite Lundqvist, the Rangers are giving up five goals, more than likely, because there's really nothing he could have done on at least three or four of them. And I mean, the thing like I, well, the final point before I let you jump in, he made a yeah. bunch of saves in the first period when the game was 0-0 that were total defensive breakdowns that nobody thinks about and nobody remembers. And I get it. He had seven goals hung on him. But – Eventually, those are going to go in. There's a ton of chances that he stopped the puck. Eventually, those are going to go in. You give a guy like Ben or Sharp or whoever 10 grade-A chances in front of the net with no one in front of them, they will score more often than that. So eventually, the law of averages kind of goes in. Go ahead, Beth. Uh, I want to throw out there that, um, you know, and this is something we have no evidence on, nobody will tell us, and there's no way to know. I do think he's hurt. Um there's just, I'm going to guess either concussion, mild concussion, or eye. I, I was actually wondering if there was a chance that the eye injury that he got uh, in the playoffs last year might have had some lasting effects. Um, I don't know. It just looks, the collapse just looks too strange um, to me. I think we've we've talked about this uh in our little blue shirt banter uh, message room before. But let me just say, that's not an excuse, but let me just say I wouldn't be surprised if we did find out that there was something wrong. Um, but you, you'd almost think if there was, at this point, they would have released it. Because now it's gotten to the point where, where his statistics are so bad that this becomes the question, right, every single day. And it's, oh, my God, is Lundqvist washed up? Or, oh, my God, what's the problem? Or whatever it is. Don't you think it would have been easier to say, hey, 
he's hurt, and we kind of think that might be part of the issue? Or do you think that's going to be even worse because then all the questions are going to be, A, why is he playing, and B, what's the deal moving forward? And actually, now that I'm saying this, I think it might be the latter more than anything else. If, again, this is all speculation from us, if that's the case. And the other thing I I wanted to say, sorry, we'll go back to you, Mike, but I just can't believe that the conversation that we're having about this team over the last few years is Lundquist saving them so we're not going to talk about the defense to Lundquist now letting them down so we're not going to talk about the defense. I mean, what the hell has to happen for this team to address its defense? You know, we go from him bailing them out to now him being the scapegoat, and again, with with admitted problems. But are those really the conversations that this team is going to have about this now? Is he going to be the lightning rod that's going to attract all the wrath and all the commentary? I don't know if you guys saw, what was it, the ESPN conversation today about him? Did you see that that was going around? I did not. Yeah, it was no. um, it was like three people. I can't remember who they were. I think it was ESPN. Um, commentators, and, you know, I pointed this out. Adam Shapiro, I think, pointed this out. One sentence in the entire thing that said that the defense was inconsistent. The rest of it was all what's wrong with Lundquist. And these are, you know, these are experts, quote-unquote. These are people who are supposed to know what they're seeing when they watch the game. These are people who I am positive know a billion more, times more than I do about this. And if they're not having this conversation, then who, you know, who is? Michael? <sighs> I don't know. Like I, it's very... I hesitate to, to say that I think Lundqvist is hurt um, only because I'm sure there are many people who would think that's just running to the nearest excuse. Um, but I think we all know just from seeing Lundqvist in the past and knowing what he's like that if there is something wrong, he's the sort of guy who would want to play through it. Um, that's and yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of, you know, just part and parcel to who he is and what he's about. And like Joe said, it's it's so unusual to be hearing, you know, this language in the locker room about, you know, how, you know, the word embarrassed was used by, you know, three or four different guys uh, in the quotes we got after the game. And that's something that, you know... And when Beth was saying before, not not on the podcast, but you know, there's there's all sorts of things that change, including you know, famous in Tabuka Boom, and um, you know, when you look at the D, it's very easy to forget the Rangers lost Dan Boyle and Keith Yandel. Um, I know neither of those guys scream out, you know, stalwart defensemen, but they they're both guys who you know, are experienced and are good at moving the puck, which is a very important skill in the defensive zone. Um, but, you know, when I, I was just looking at some of the numbers uh, while while Beth and Joe were talking, and among goalies who played at least 1,000 minutes, Lundqvist is leading all of them in medium danger goals against. 
Um, and that's a really, you know, it's a, it's a really, like, for want of a better term, it's a really un-Henrik-like set. I mean, people have been saying, you know, Corey Schneider is having a bad year at the Devils. Hank has allowed four more medium danger goals than him, and Schneider's allowed 10 low danger goals. Hank's allowed eight at even strength. So it's, and I'm not saying that to diminish, you know, Hank's struggles and say, look, Schneider's doing bad too, but it's, it's a really weird thing to be talking about Henrik Lundqvist in these terms. Like Joe said, it's, it's I think his safe percentage is sitting at 902 right now. It's, we've never seen that before. We've never seen him come this close to dipping below, you know, sub 900 goaltending is just, you know, unthinkable for him. Um, and so you do have to ask yourself, what's going on here? There's more than just, you know, he suddenly, you know, rapidly aged, you know, and, uh, you know, was the World Cup of Hockey involved? You know, is there, is he more tired than he normally would be? Like, it's all a guessing game. The bottom line is it was kind of, the, the article Adam had uh, today that ruffled so many feathers is just we won't know until we know and the only thing that will fix this is he has to play his way through it and not just true because Ronta is you know is hurt and he'll miss the games before the all-star game but you know the Rangers have an opportunity here to you know really tackle these, these this next handful of games and get very serious about what what this team actually needs. And I think it's, you know, really, really apparent that there's not enough there on, on the blue line. And there are guys on the blue line who are playing in roles that they're no longer suited for and likely haven't been suited for for a long time. And this isn't just because Mark Stahl is missing and, you know, things are exposed. It's just... The guys who are here are not good enough, and uh, that's a it, it's a weird thing I know for a lot of people to hear because it sounds like an excuse on Monkless' behalf. But um, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how good of a goalie you are if you are continually facing odd man rushes, and if you're continually facing you know ridiculous high danger scoring chances, you're going to bleed goals. Goals are going to happen, and We've seen how many times uh, at the game Joe and I were at, uh, there was a goal, you know, just uh, I think it was Connor Brown of Toronto just skated in over the blue line, um, three or four feet inside the blue line, just threw the puck on net. Uh, McDonough was covering Austin Matthews. The puck deflects perfectly off of McDonough's stick through Henrik's legs. Uh, and it was clearly going well wide. And you look at that and you look at Hank, look at McDonough, you know, keep in mind, this is McDonough and, you just feel this, like, of course it went in. Everything is going wrong, so of course it's going in. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, I know I'm kind of talking in circles, but it's kind of got to this point where the writing's on the wall. This is so obvious that things are not good right now. And when, when that happens, something has to change. And if that means, you know, in my opinion, even with, Stallinger, I think it would not be a bad time to to rattle the cage and, you know, you know, put Dan Girardi in a role where he plays, you know, 13 minutes a night and, you know, start getting serious about, you know, what 
what the, the team can do to play better defense because this is not a this is not a problem that's going to go away when Mark Stahl gets healthy. Well, that was what uh, who was it? Zippe said uh, to all those. I don't know if he used the word morons, maybe uh, who were complaining about Stahl. Like, don't you miss him now? And I commented, well, not really because he's not. You're not going to fix the problem by bringing Stahl back. Replacing Stahl for Clendenning doesn't really do much of anything. And listen, Clendenning did not play a good game yesterday. Um, no, yeah. But he brings things to the table the Rangers don't have on defense, the transition, the created offense. The, the Rangers desperately need that. And if it comes at the cost of a player who is not as good in his own zone, well, you're putting a player out there who's not as good in his own zone who doesn't bring that type of offensive ability in Klein, in Girardi. So what's the issue? And that kind of becomes the question at this point is where do the Rangers go from here? What is Gordon going to do? Is he going to try to get Shattenkirk, who apparently the Blues are now reneging on there. We're going to run with him and go for the cup and risk losing him for nothing. The thought process is the Rangers are probably the favorites to land him over in free agency because he wants to play for New York now. That can mean a ton of different things and have a lot of implications and can totally not happen. But do you give up assets for a guy like that right now? Would a guy like Shattenkirk even fix anything? Because he's not going to replace the guys that you know it needs to replace. And listen, this is a coach that has to run with Lundquist right now. And I think that's a really, really important part of this. Because part of the reason why I think Lundquist is struggling, not all of it, but part of it, is that he doesn't feel like he's getting into a groove. And it would not shock me if this was a mental thing. Lundqvist has been begging for playing time from Vigneault in the media, begging for consistent playing, no matter how bad he's playing or no matter what's happening, and he needs to get himself into a groove. And everybody keeps saying, oh, there's plenty of time for him to get himself into a groove before the playoffs. But why mess with it? And this is not the first time that this has happened. So, yeah, I think it is a good thing that Lundqvist has to be able to go out there and, you know, go out there and play and just work himself through it. But I would have loved to see a little bit more, you know, we hung him out to dry from Vigneault rather than he's going to be back in there tomorrow and, you know, this is a team thing and none of us are playing well. I, I, I just would have liked to see that. That's all. And I think at this point we have to realize that we're not going to get it. But, to my first point, where do the Rangers go from here? Uh, what do you do at this point? And, Mike, I'll let you jump in on this one because you kind of answered the where is this team going question. Is there anything you think the Rangers – I, for one, think throw in the towel this year, trade off some assets, get rid of Grabner, get what you can from the deadline. I think it's going to be a lot. Um, kind of work your way through some of the other players who – Peary, La, Finn, Peary, Lindbergh, Fast. You got to figure out who you're going to actually expose at the expansion draft and whatever it is you're going to go through. Mm. But there's a lot of decisions that need to be made down the line with the expansion draft. I don't think the Rangers should go for it another year. Make a couple of savvy moves for the future. See what you have right now because I think we all know this team isn't going anywhere. And if you can get Shattenkirk, great because I'd rather have him than, you know, rely on him coming because he wants to play in New York. But I'm not sure there's a, a really good answer out there for this bed that the Rangers have made. And Mike, jump in and save me. 
it is it is really so tricky just because it's so obvious to everyone that, you know, there are plenty of people who, you know, I've, I've read so many tweets and even, you know, blog stories where people say that, you know, Auntie Ranta's being held back. He's the team's better goalie right now. You should go with him. doesn't matter. You know, Bunquist's legacy and popularity and fame and all that stuff doesn't matter. And yeah, at the end of the day, Ranta has the better stats. He's the better goalie right now. He's also sick, um, or rather hurt is the more appropriate word. But um, if you want to be real about, you know, if you're in the crowd who thinks the Rangers should hang around, then in, on Auntie Ranta's best day, he wouldn't be a shadow of who Lundqvist is on his best day right now. Um, and I know that might be controversial to some people who think it's Ronto's time, but Henrik Lundqvist's body of work, especially in you know the playoffs and high international competition, that's I know he doesn't have a cup, but good God, he's done everything else. Um, and so you know to to get back to Joe's point is you know is this a team that can you know is there the problems here, can they be fixed? Like, especially at the trade deadline. And I know it's so, it's so hard to, to know that right now. I think, I don't think I would consider throwing the talent right now, but I, I will say this, if the Rangers want to in some way be sellers, you know, they are, they have plenty of really, really, really enticing assets that they can move that are not, things that would be devastating. Like, I know, you know, many people are are falling in love with Grabner, but I I can't imagine what someone like Grabner would demand on, you know, on the deadline. You know, I I would imagine at least two second-round picks at this point, Um, you know, if not more. And for someone who costs the team, you know, $1.65 million a year for two years, it's nothing, you know, and... uh, you know, you could get a similar, you know, or a little less return for someone like Peary if you wanted to sell. But, you know, looking at the D that are going to be available, and by available, I mean, you know, the general rule of thumb of you look at who's a pending USA on a crappy team, um, and you see who's out there. And, you know, there's names like Michael Stone floating around, but his possession numbers are awful. Um, this year, he's not playing with Ekman Larson and his counting stats are, you know, in the basement compared to where they were a year ago. And he's just, he's one of those guys who's, you know, he's 6'4", 6'5". You know, he's a big, big kind of, you know, long, long stick, long arms, long legs guy, you know, like a Mark Stahl. But I I don't think a guy like that's going to fix anything. And you look around on the list, you know, some other guys who teams might want to keep around, like uh, Brendan Smith and, Kulikov, and, you know, these are not names that are worth getting excited about um, that are pending USAs that are on teams that are losing because it sounds like Detroit might be might be sellers um, and that their crazy playoff streak will come to an end. I know that, you know, lots of lots of fans are already, you know, chunking Thomas Vanek into their lineups, but uh, it's, um, it's really hard to think of what would be out there that could fix the Rangers outside of adding, like Joe said, a Shattenkirk um, but you'd have to ask, you know, what 
what would be the point of losing? Because you know you're going to lose pieces, um, and they're going to be pieces you don't want to lose. And in this instance, most likely draft picks and and or young prospects. And do the Rangers have any other young prospects that they can afford to lose? I mean, I know there's the guys on the team, and it's great that there's you know three rookies playing on this team right now, but. Uh, you know, in the system, there's, you know, I would say that, you know, Shostorkin is untouchable. And then you have, you know, what do you have? Like Sean Day, you know, who's doing well in the AHL. But, you know, after him, like, who's there? You know, it's the guys who are doing really well in the AHL and for the Rangers are not kids. You know, guys like Hrivik and Jensen, you know, these are. 24, 25 year old men. So yeah, I wouldn't you know, put them not, in that category. Yeah, they're they're not prospect guys. They're they're depth guys who just happen to be in the AHL. Um, but my point there being is like there's the cupboard's still empty from you know the Eric Stahl trade and the trades that came before the Yandel trade and uh, I understand why Joe why you would want to consider throwing in the towel just because the alternative is really discouraging. Um, I don't know, Beth, would you want to see... Beth, before you you jump in, uh, we have a a special guest who hopefully... Pat, are you there? Yeah, yeah, cool, it worked. This is, uh, (laughs) Um, for those of you who don't know, Pat from Blue Seat Blogs, who has his own uh, podcast that we're not going to promote because they're the deadly enemy, but... Uh, yeah, I was super bored tonight and was listening to you guys. Um, uh, okay, don't, so don't, my question is like kind of bored. Doctor, you're super, you you're super bored, bored and that's why you're listening to us. You had a lot going on. No, somebody stops. <laughs> I love hockey talk. You know what I'm saying? Like I love that shit. Anyways, so here's my question for y'all: Is um, oh my fault? Uh, <laughs> no, don't don't fucking worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so my question is. Um, I think, Joe, I know where you stand as far as what you think the Rangers should do with the trade deadline and or this summer. Um, My question is, what do you think the prices would be for whatever defensemen they maybe go out and get? Or do you think it's just wait and see till Shattenkirk signs in free agency potentially? Or like, what do you what do you think the Rangers are going to have to give up? I guess is my question. Beth or Mike, you want to jump in on that? That's well, Mike's who is to give up? I mean, yeah, uh, that's kind of what you were, yeah. Yeah, the the Rangers got the second round pick um, in the Brassard trade, so you know, the in terms of draft picks, unfortunately, they have things they can lose, which is not a good thing. Um, <laughs> right. Because we know that, you know, if the Rangers have second round picks to give away, they they will rush to give them away. Um, and I. In some ways, you could say, oh, imagine turning Broussard into the Benajad and then an inside track on Shattenkirk, and that would sound in many ways like it was worth it. But if the, you know, if unless there's a sincere belief that Shattenkirk will come into this lineup, Elaine Vigneault will then appropriately reassign ice time and rules. And by that, I mean we don't see Kevin Klein and Dan Girardi, you know, approaching 20 minutes a night anymore. Right. And I don't think even with the addition of Shattenkirk that we see that happen only because 
we continue to see guys make heinous mistakes in the defensive zone and go right back out there to play, you know, two minutes and 45 seconds of shorthanded ice time. I don't right. know. Okay. I, I don't know sense. what there is to give up. I think the thought process right now is that Shankirk's going to be a little bit cheaper because he is a true rental. I just, I'm not sure I see the Rangers outbidding anyone right now because yeah. like, you, you can't have a fourth year of going all in, unfortunately. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, yeah, I think it's I a, yeah, unfortunately. I think it's yeah, a good I guess question. I was just thinking... Well, go ahead. Uh, I guess I was just thinking, so there was a little discussion on Twitter earlier today um, about, like, would it be more than Eric Stahl? Would it be less than Eric Stahl? Um, Would there be, like, a potential for, like, uh, an implicit, like, hey, hey, you're going to re-sign here kind of thing um, involved? Like, what kind of factors do you think would be going on in a Shattenkirk deal? If it even happens, right? Because, like, like you said, you can't go all in four years consecutively. That's just, like... Loco. I mean, the the only reason I would do it would be to you can make guarantees all you want, and Brad Richards is the name that comes up in terms of a guy who actually declined trades to the Rangers the year before he became a free agent because he knew he was going to go there and he didn't want the team spending assets on him. But Shattenkirk, the rumors are it's a, a secret, you know, one of those unofficial worst kept secrets that he wants to play in New York. He's from the area, whether or not that translates into him actually going on to Broadway is a matter of discussion. You just don't know. So if the Rangers could get him now, yeah, I would, I would prefer that to happen, but I don't see the Rangers being able to outbid anyone. And and the price for stall was relatively significant. The Rangers lost the top prospect and the second round pick for a guy who got them one playoff win. Now, obviously, the ideology behind Shattenkirk would be you're keeping them long term. <coughs> Excuse me, you're keeping them long term. There is a little bit of a loophole with Shattenkirk that because he's an unrestricted free agent, the Rangers could put a deal under the table to him and then not have to protect him in the expansion draft because Vegas could take him, but they'd only get him for what ten days before he became a free agent. So you could kind of play oh, the game true. a little That's bit a good that point. way, yeah. but the reality of the situation is a team that desperately needs some offensive defensemen who are actual cup contenders would probably pay over the moon for a guy like Shattenkirk. The Rangers right. can't get into well, that bidding war. Does he have a no movement well, clause for Shattenkirk? No, I don't believe so. Um, I'll look that up while you're talking. But uh, I wanted to point out last year, you know, the only – only kind of D for assets deals that happened were uh, Justin, Justin Schultz from the Oilers to the Penguins. And that was a third round pick for Justin Schultz. And then uh, Capitals picking up Mike Weber from Buffalo also for a third round pick. Um, you know, and that's some context for what D go for, but Shattenkirk is in a, even in the, you know, in a rental uh, role is in a different universe than both of those players. Um, and, you know, we knew the price for Stahl was two seconds and uh, Sorella. So it's, it's, a really, it's really hard to know because D are – we don't really see D that are rentals that are guys who are kind of in their prime. We often see guys go who are, you know, in their twilight. So I would like to think that 
the price is going to be pretty high, even if the blues have, you know, if we believe the blues have come down, um, just because it's, you know, it's a guy to go on a top power play unit and play the right side. You know, there's not that many guys who can do that in the league. Um, it doesn't appear that Shattenkirk has a no movement actually, or no trade neither. I mean, the all in mentality has always <laughs> ridden on Lundquist, right? You go all well, in that's a good point, got yeah. Henrik Lundqvist. But if so long as he's in his prime. Yeah, exactly. I totally forgot, uh, not to inter- interrupt you, Beth, but that was going to be my no, thing on Lundqvist. And then w- with the medicine, I, I clearly forgot. This is the first year that, oh, we're just going to put our faith in Lundqvist has not worked. This is the first time that the New York Rangers have admitted that they have flaws, which they've done for a long time. For the 10 years that he's been on Broadway. But it's always been, oh, Lundqvist will clean up the mess. And now he's not cleaning up the mess. And what do the Rangers do? Where do they go from here? Shattenkirk, by the way, is on pace for a career year. He has 30 points in 45 games. I mean, the Rangers could... I, I can't even articulate to you how much they need that offense and that transition game at the back and a guy who can actually play defense. I can't even tell you. But if Shattenkirk comes in for Clendenning and he's used the way that Yandel was used, a third-pairing guy who's getting power play minutes, the Rangers are not going to go much further than they did with Yandel last year. And Pat, since you are the uh, residential guest on the podcast, I will ask you... Do you have any faith whatsoever in if the Rangers do acquire a guy like Shattenkirk him being utilized properly by this coaching staff? Uh, whew, that's, a, that's a big one. Um, <laughs> that's what you get. You get the heavy hitters here. Yeah. Um, I think – so there's a couple things that give me slight hope that maybe he would be. Um, is, first of all, the few times Girardi has played – less minutes and, like, third-pair kind of situations. Um, that gives me hope. Um, I think the big thing is that Jeff Bukaboom is uh, kind of the philosophical guy behind the defense at this point, or hopefully. I mean, I don't know. Like, it's hard to say how much, like, him and A.B. are, like, on the same page. Um but I think Bukaboom would recognize, like, hey, this guy's the real deal. Let's play him with McDonough and have, like, a totally awesome top pairing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but that's not, like, a lot. I wouldn't call it faith in the organization. Um, I would call it kind of weighted hope um, with the weight being pretty minuscule. Mm. You're not, winning, Mike, you're not winning hearts and minds with that. Um, no, I, I realize that. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a really hedged uh, faith, I guess you could call it. Well, the, I think there's something to be said about the price that the Rangers paid for Eric Stahl. And then how did, how did Elaine Vigneault and the Rangers use Eric Stahl when he was here? You know, we used him in a third-line role at even strength. Um, you know, I, I know he got, you know, an audition in the top six and it didn't work out, but the Rangers paid an incredible price for, you know, 20 games or whatever it ended up being of Stahl and then, you know, the playoffs. And we've gone on to see him go ahead and find all sorts of success in Minnesota. 
playing in a role where he'll succeed. And that's been really frustrating for Rangers fans, but it's also illuminating as to unless you use the asset you acquire the right way, and we, we should know this really well from the Keith Yandel experience. It doesn't matter how good someone is. If they're not, if they're put in a position where, you know, they're attached to, you know, a defensive partner or a line mate who can't play up to their game, or if, and if they're not used in, you know, the first power play role, I mean, if you end, if someone like Shattenkirk is here and he's not on the first power play unit, it, you know, it'll be just cause to put your head through a wall. But it's also, it wouldn't be unexpected for something to happen given the track record of what we've seen. Um, and I, I say this not to be, to bash whatever small little candle that, you know, Pat has attempted to, to light in this dark, dark cave that we're in, but it's, I think it's important to understand the context of, like, what we've seen from the coach's track record and, you know, what the organization is. Because I think it's pretty clear the organization is willing to pay pretty much any price they can to get a cup. Um, and that's a scary thing, but it also gives us an idea of, like, all right, well, that's what they're willing to do. Um, and so it would be unexpected, I think, in many ways, for them to show a great deal of restraint. But we did see in this offseason, you know, some semblance of restraint and kind of small, you know, coy moves to build up the depth of the team with, you know, Peary and Grabner, even Derby signing was very smart and um, didn't think Nick Holden trade would turn out the way it did, but, you know, all of that. But I I don't really have faith that if something like the Shattenkirk trade happened, that it would benefit the team, especially – you know, it's this wonderful game of like, well, what would it cost? I don't know. You know, what what would a Shattenkirk trade cost the Rangers? Likely a, a young forward that this team doesn't want to part ways with. Uh, I just have a quick question. McDonough played with Shattenkirk at the Olympics. No? Yeah? Yes. World Cup of Hockey? Maybe? Do you think World Cup of Hockey? I know he's played internationally with McDonough. Um, I guess my question for y'all is do you think that um that like pedigree or whatever you want to call it this notion that like oh they work well together um do you think that would affect i don't know i'm just maybe i'm grasping at straws here but i think that gives me a little bit of hope as well um what do you guys think about like prior history factoring into management and coaching's decision well, almost anyone not named Dan Girardi succeeds with Ryan McDonough. I mean, Brady Shea looks pretty good there at times. Uh, Nick Holden did yeah, look Girardi great. Yeah, Girardi is a most common partner. <clears throat> yeah. That's the, uh, well, and that's, that comes back to the, the faith question. Beth, you, you said yeah. that you want to say something. Making there. Ryan McDonough's life easier does not seem to have been a priority for this organization. Or um, Hendrick Lundquist. So, yeah. the... <laughs> The idea of getting him a nice present is, is you know, wonderful, but I can't say it would be part of the thinking, I don't think. Nope. I don't think it would be an incentive to but get someone I, I, he'd worked will, well with before. I will agree with Pat that Vigneault has kind of touched on, because there was a time when he was going to play McDonough on his offside because he played that way in the Olympics. So 
I think it would be crazy not to think that Vigneault at least looks at it. But, again, you're, you're talking about, and this is kind of why I'm so for trading Grabner. If you can get a team to pay out the nose for a guy like Grabner, who you very well may lose for nothing in expansion, or at the very, very worst, you're trading away a guy who would add a different dimension to the team next year, but is going to price himself out of New York the year after that, then what happens? The Rangers don't have the luxury. Uh, every show, my dog thinks someone is breaking in and goes crazy. <laughs> every one of them, without fail. Uh, I just, I, I think the Rangers need to realize that they have plenty of forwards. There are plenty of players that they can rely on with Zabanejad, Buchnevich, and Nashback. The Rangers have the ability to turn around and say, you know what, we should get something for Grabner where his value will never be higher. And I understand that that might not be the thing you want to hear because the Rangers are quote-unquote cup contenders, depending on how much you believe that. But you can't keep trading the farm away. And if you're going to go for a guy like Shattenkirk, you need to recoup those assets somehow. And Grabner's a good opportunity to do that. And oh, yeah, Selling know, high on Grabner makes a lot of sense. It, it sets you up for the future. We've already seen that Gordon has a ton of intelligence with – the Zabanichad trade is a perfect example. I think Zabanichad has, what, just as many points as Broussard in like 22 fewer games? And um, six I years think he might have more, ahead. actually. Who's he has more goals. Right? Um, Still, after missing the time with his yeah, tibia? I think, all right, I'm looking this up right now. Um, the point is, Broussard has do not stuff, done great. No, it hasn't. Uh, but you could do stuff like that with this team. And maybe you don't want to talk about a guy like Zuccarello. Oh, hang on. Broussard is 21 points. Oh, my God, that's awful. In 42 games. The advantage at is 17 points in 20 games. So four points less in 21 less games. I just – I when I look at what he's been able to do, and, and Mike kind of talked about his savviness up front with some of the players that the Rangers have brought in, the grabber signing was a, a stroke of, of brilliant luck. Utilize it to the best of your abilities. Take advantage of someone. Go – maybe you could get a guy. Maybe it doesn't have to be picks and prospects. It could be someone to help you right now. I would trade Grabner for Shattenkirk right now. But, I think anyone you know, would. I, I, don't, I don't think the Blues <laughs> wouldn't. I, I, I'm sure they wouldn't. But well, it doesn't necessarily need to be a blockbuster trade. It, it just has to you, – you just have to get something for these guys. And the fact that you went for it three years in a row and walked away with nothing kind of necessitates that, that type of thought process, at least in my mind. That could be crazy. Beth, you sound like you want to say something. No, I'm actually I'm listening. Someone else. Talk. I see. Uh, are you enjoying your time on the banter of the blue shirts, Patrick? Uh, I'm enjoying it. I mean, right now I'm just listening because my computer is like lagging behind, so like listening through my phone is like working better. Um, That's good. I'm really bad did, at like technology stuff. Oh. Did you know that the uh, the Gaelic form of your name is Pedrag? Did you know that? Yeah, I did know that actually. Um. Particularly Irish. Um, I almost got named Finbar. I love that name. Yeah, it's a good name. name. I I mean, your your current name is good too, but Finbar is a good name. 
<laughs> yeah, so um yeah, I'm enjoying my time on the podcast. It's it's a great podcast. <laughs> I was listening for like fifteen, twenty minutes or so and then I tried working the chat but I couldn't work the chat because I don't know it you know, it's twenty seven. Would you recommend it to friends? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I would recommend <laughs> it to all of my close Enemy. associates. Your, uh, yeah, your Yelp review would be positive? Uh, I don't know how to work Yelp. Yeah, God damn it. That's oh, that scares me. Are there Yelp that. reviews? Should we talk about Kreider? Uh, we could talk about Kreider. What do you want we were going to talk about a lot of things, and it ended up just being about Lundquist, unfortunately. Well, we've ahead, talked Beth. about Lundquist. We've talked about the D. What about uh, I think Kreider needs to get talking more about, sunlight. Talking about the D? You want to talk about some of that D? <laughs> Riding a hot hand with a D? <laughs> Joseph. <laughs> oh, Joe's feeling better. He got all feisty all of a sudden. Kratter is 18 goals. Who? Kratter is 18 goals, and his Ooh. career high before this is 21. And he has 18 goals in 39 games. That's something that's nice and not Henrik Lundqvist being bad. Hooray. Well, what about Zabanajad and Buchanemich? So many people were angry that most of us voted him, uh, what was it, our rookie MVP in the first half. And I kind of get it because he only played in 10 games. But you're talking about a guy who has almost a point per game. And and it just is totally – the puck is like silk on his stick. When he passes the puck, it's like watching him paint. It's like watching him paint on a canvas. It really is beautiful hockey (laughs) when the puck is on his stick. And Joe, I'm glad that we agree on how much we love Pavel. Like, oh my God, it is! It really I'm, warms my heart. I'm gonna get a jersey for him. I think almost. Uh, Didn't we talk about how soon was too soon? Did we, we decided it's time? I think we did. Uh, I think we did give a little time to that. What's like well, I, you know? I think it's, I think it's, how it's many now. games played before you get a before you buy a him, jersey? Him. So my favorite Bushnevich moment ever happened last night when. He missed the wide open net and then looked up to the ceiling and then looked like he was going to break his stick and then elected to continue playing and then scored like three seconds later. That's what I want. <laughs> I want that. Because that is how I would play hockey. Just angry all the time, confused. And I, it, honestly, it's a joy to watch him play. I know you can't hear it because I'm ill, uh, but I'm, I'm happy right now talking about him. It is a joy to watch him play hockey. And him and Sabatajad have been an unbelievable tandem that the Rangers have desperately missed while they've both been out. I don't even care about Kreider being on that line anymore. I don't care who Vigneault puts with them, just so long as he leaves them together. And it's been spectacular. Pat, you could talk about how much you love Bucinevich. Oh, my God. Let me count the ways. Um, I (laughs) got ripped off by a guy on eBay trying to buy a Bucinevich uh, St. Petersburg jersey. Like that I was like out here. Oh my god! Um, I got my money back, so it went fine. Like, whatever. eBay was cool about it, but um, yeah, this guy was like selling fake St. Petersburg jerseys, and I was like, "Sign me up, dude." Um, that's how much I love Pavel. Um, I also I love being like a, a dirty hipster. Um, <laughs> no, I love Pavel. I think he's I, underrated thing about Pavel is that he's so good along the boards. Yeah, like he's good oh, at yeah. making that like subtle, like when everybody's scrapping for it, and he just kind of like reaches in there and just like, boop, 
Oh my God! It's just like it's he's got beautiful that to watch. Head. Like I, yeah, he he does so many things right. He's just got so much going for him. Was it the Montreal game that passed to Nash that didn't actually end up going in? But that was just yes. like the most beautiful pass possibably of all time. Yeah, he framed on a wall somewhere. Yeah. What was his it, first game? You could put that in the museum for sure. Back. Like. Well, the Pavel Museum. So what I'm taking from Pat is never use eBay ever. Boopsium. For um, <laughs> the Boopsium. <laughs> oh man. Um, I guess the one thing about Boop that uh, this isn't about Boop. This is about like people and Boop. Oh God. But I, people I haven't really been. No. Um, and now I'm not as when Boop scored. When Book scored, not a lot of people did like the boo, you know, like, which kind of bummed me out because I was hoping it'd be like him and Zook would have like this thing going where they would like score a lot and people would yell their names like that. There was some, but yeah, not a lot. Well, well now there's also yeah. there's Booch and Zook, and they kind of sound the same when they're they're done like in a crowd setting, like Booch yeah. and Zook, and it confuses me. Um. Like if you them. go by who just did the thing, Joe, I mean, it's not well, what complicated. If, what if Zuccarello, who did the thing? What if Zuccarello <laughs> makes a perfect pass to Buxnevich for a goal? You do both. No, yeah, well, you, do both. you do both. And we're all just very happy. You just kind of extend it. It's Zook, like a... Um, Zook, Zook, Maybe that's no, it's like thing. a fermata. You know, you kind of just hold it. A what? Um... Isn't that a thing in music? The little like yeah, eyeball above like a note know. where you hold a note? No, I think you're I used right, to play actually. trumpet. It's been a long time. I played yeah, I used to do music. I used to be able to play hot cross buttons and that was it. Um, but yeah, I think I you would do good. both in that case. Um, ideally, you just keep Pavel online with Mika and Nash and you just watch that glorious hockey happen. You know, like forever. It's almost like whoever you put with them is successful. Go figure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did Nash have both the secondary assists? Um, I know. I think so. Because I know Ziba had both the primary what? assists for for uh, his goals, right? Yeah. Um, I think I think you're right. I'm having a hard time remembering because last night was a bit of a blur for me with all the excitement and the Buchnevich, emotions. And the first goal was from Klein and Clendenning. Oh, and then I lied. Well, I wouldn't have picked those names out of a hat. Actually, <laughs> well, Clendenning made that play possible by keeping the puck in the zone and making that pass across to Klein. That's who, right. I remember that. Who fed it to yeah, Zabinijad was the one who set up Buchnevich, and then he, when he missed, and he like hit the side of the net on the wide open yeah. net. That was a brilliant uh, behind the back pass, um, a backhand pass by Zabinijad, and it was one of those. I think he just kind of overhandled it and went to rip it when all he had to do was just pop it in the net, and it was a very sad moment until it got knocked out a little bit later. But then he scored, and everybody was happy. Yeah. Zuccarello had three assists last night, by the way. Really? There, really yeah, were, there were some offensive that... positives, just the defense is awful. Mm. Yeah, I guess I I wonder what your guys' opinion on this is, but did you enjoy last night's game? Because I like, kind of did in a weird way. 
No. The, it wasn't good hockey, but it was not at all. The first I felt 40 like minutes were awful. In Guantanamo Bay. And then I would say the last 20 <laughs> minutes, I've I enjoyed that more than I have almost any game this season. The last 20 minutes, I was really really invested in in those final 20 minutes. And uh, yeah, I mean there was there was a kid behind me who kept like screaming like pull Lundqvist like throughout the early part parts of the game, which like really was disheartening. Um, but then like. Um, when they started to come back, like, it was just, I was so damn excited. Um, they were flying, dude. I was at the game, this was a long time ago, uh, Brennan Shanahan was still in the Rangers, where the Rangers were down, like, 5 nothing against Ottawa, and they came all the way back to 5-4 in the third period and then lost, so I would assume <laughs> it felt something like that. Uh, but it is, it's like, <laughs> it, it's... <laughs> It's this feeling of there's no way this is happening right now, and you're almost like giddy that you're you're able to watch it and think about it. You'd be able to tell people, I watched this team come back from a seven three deficit in the third period. Remember the game? What was it two years ago where the Rangers the were down game. like four nothing? Yeah, against the Wilds, and yeah. Claire scored the game winner. Like those those are you remember those games because it's it's just like this unbelievable mesh of emotion. And just had the opportunity to be like that, and it ended up not being. But you know, yeah, I guess like I kind of enjoy the roller coaster. Like for me, like it wouldn't be that high without like the the plummeting depths of oh my god, how many goals are they going to give up? Like you know, but maybe that's just me. Like I I really enjoy the yeah. I never got past like the whole Lundqvist part. Um. Yeah, again, I never really came out of the second period um, enough to kind of enjoy the third. And I guess my reaction at that point, again, three big beers in and with my uh, hockey mom mode in full swing about Hank, um, just like, where was this? Why are you doing this now? How did you, what did they, triple, quadruple their shot total Um, in the third period? It was not. It was in 24 shots, right? I think, and it was yeah. just like, what, what are you, what are you doing? You know, it just sort of. I was glad they did it, but at the same time, it's like, what did Come you on, just guys. suddenly decide? You know, and whatever well, where the was thing that, level that somebody play, said, yeah. Where was that level of play for a long quest? You couldn't pull that together a little sooner. Did you not notice it needed to happen? You know, I just. So I, I don't think that's why I never really got completely. I mean, I was glad they weren't going to get abjectly humiliated, but at that point, Lundqvist had been so abjectly humiliated that it almost didn't matter for me. What I know that's probably not the right way to think about that, but yeah, I didn't. My roller coaster no, that's, didn't that's go back point. up; it just plummeted and sat there at the bottom. Yeah, so, it's a really crappy yeah, ride. Yeah. Actually, I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, well, so. you should uh, you should be somewhat upset about the way that that went down, I could, I, I would have probably been screaming at people if I was there and people were jeering Lundqvist. And then it was almost like they were over cheering for Helberg. Like you're dating oh, yeah. a new girl. Yeah. And you show your ex-girlfriend that, was, that, that she's a piece of shit. That's, that's kind of what it was like. Like that he made a, a, rel- a relatively when... easy save and people were like out of their seats. They were chanting Helberg and 
come on. We're, we're not. That was not as bad as when Hank just stopped the puck that just glided over to him and they ironically cheered. That was worse yeah, than just, the cheering for Helberg. It was awful. That was probably like the lowest. That was even worse than the booing. Yeah. Or yeah, maybe I was really that in to hear. Really? I don't know. I find like fan culture so interesting, like the way the emotions of like the mass of people ebb and flow, but um, it was definitely like embarrassing when that like clearance like went all the way down to Hank and he just like calmly stopped it and people were like cheering their heads off. Yeah. That was really, yeah. I am never short of amazement at, how much people will turn on a guy like Lundqvist before they'd even begin to think about could it be the defense or, or whatever it is. The same people who, even to this day, defend Girardi and this defense to the death are just as quick to turn on Lundqvist. And I'll never understand, because as I've said here many times, you will never see a better goaltender on Broadway ever in your life. Ever, 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 ever. Never, never, never. Also, and this is like an analog to, you know, a whole political conversation that we won't get into. Two things can be true at the same time. Lundqvist can be slumping and the defense can still suck. Dan Girardi can be a fantastic person and not belong on an NHL team anymore. These things can both be true. You don't have to pick anyone a single hill and die on it. You know, I mean, are people's brains so tiny that they are only hold one thought at a time? We are throwing haymakers right now. Um, Yeah, wow. Tell me how you you really feel. You can argue that the defense is not good enough and that the defense has basically left Lundqvist out to dry. Say that Lundqvist has not been good enough, but also admit that maybe his performance has been worse because this defense has been a tire fire. I mean, you can make whatever realizations you want, but I find it astounding that you've watched the defense not be good enough for two and a half years, and people would sooner turn on Lundqvist's one current series of events that he's posting numbers that we've never seen before ever as an immediate, okay, Lundqvist is washed up, then you'd be like, okay, the defense kind of needs some work. That's, yeah, That's a, dude across, a dude across the table from me at the pizza place in Penn Station turned to his friends Rose's and said, pizza? yes. Oh, Rose's pizza. Obviously pizza. the best one in the world. Yeah. Um, but he turns to his friend and he goes, Lundquist is washed up. I'm just going to say it. And like, I was tempted to like start scrapping like right there. Like yeah. I really wanted to say something. And like, these guys were just being like obnoxious, like bros. So I wasn't going to like get into it with them, but like just for like someone to come out and say that just like so self-assuredly and, you know, really like confident, so disheartening that like mm-hmm. yeah it's unbelievable yeah. it's band news bears it's, it's messed up uh, alright my medicine is kicked in to the point where I am going to fall asleep so I'm going to end <laughs> this podcast Patrick yeah I gotta go you are welcome back thanks for at having any me time. You can you can come whenever uh, you can abandon Dave because we all know that Dave is the worst and you can come on the uh, podcast that's I think true. Dave is good Dave is uh, the worst I don't know. Good if that's old Dave. Dave used to Dave used to write for Blue Shirt Panther. Did you know that? 
I did not know that. Yeah, back in the days. Yeah. Ask him about it. Yeah, and then the uh, the war of the war of independence started, and he uh, sided with the yeah. uh, the loyalists. <laughs> yeah. But uh, well, I gotta go. Thanks for having me. See you, Patrick. Um, much love. Everyone. BlueSeaBlogs.com. Yeah. Patrick comes to our meetups every now and again in the garden. I will uh, introduce you to him if you'd like. True. Um, but thank yeah, you for coming on. Good. Bye. Um, Beth, Twitter.com slash Beth Macklin. Mike, Twitter.com slash DigDeepBSB. Me, just Blue Shirt Panther. You can also find Mike at FanRake Sports. Um, yeah. I think that's uh, – I think Dan's Lynch has been listening this entire time. I tried to put you on the show, but it didn't work again. Uh, I don't know what to tell you, uh, but I'm pretty sure you've been on hold. But you got to listen to the Tony Time Live. No one gets to do that. For everybody else, uh, thank you again to Patreon subscribers. Thanks, all of you, for doing the thing with uh, Ice Hockey in Harlem. We will see you next week, hopefully in a better mood, with more answers or something. Okay. <laughs> Adios. Good night, everyone.